You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read here the verses 1 through 5. I know that she said it earlier, but this week today is, is special to me. It's special to me because, uh, well, I, I just begin to look back and I think that it, how the blessings of the Lord has been rich and how that God has been so good. The goodness of God is, never ceases to amaze me. So I, I'm going to look back a little bit this morning and, and try to preach and try to encourage you. You're going to hear a little bit of testimony that you've already heard, but uh, it's what's in my spirit, it's what's in my heart, and I hope that it's an encouragement to you this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, will you read or look along with me? Verses 1 through 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Will you look again one more time at verse number 2? This is a verse that the church really needs to be attentive to. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Determined to not know anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I want to minister for just a moment on this thought. And Again, I'm reminiscing a little bit, so bear with me. But after 15 years, I'm still determined. That's my thought this morning. I'm still determined. Would you help me pray that the Lord would bless us this morning and help us to preach. Father, I love you today. I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. And I thank you, God, to this church and the people of this church, Lord, and the opportunity, Lord, to minister this morning. Thank you, God, for a calling, Lord, that I would never take lightly. I'm humbled this morning by your grace and by your mercy. I ask this morning in the name of Jesus that you would open our ears to hear your word, Lord, and let it penetrate to our hearts that we might receive it, Lord, and anoint my lips, God, to deliver this word. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus for you to do a work that I cannot do, Lord, and that is to prick the hearts of your people this morning. And I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. I'm careful this morning to not exalt the Apostle Paul more highly than what I should. And always to be right when we're talking about the apostles and the disciples and those that are great contributors to the Word of God. Paul was a humble man, and when he talked about being an apostle, he would tell you that I, I am called an apostle of God, but I am the least of these. But I do want to honor him this morning, just a moment, in regards to his writing to the church here at Corinth and his faithfulness to the believer, his faithfulness to the church as a whole, to be consistent about 
what he did to help spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for those, not just him, but all of those, those that are here this morning that have paved the way, that have blazed the trail for us to hold on to and for us to follow, that have blazed the trail of truth and blazed the trail of purity when it comes to the gospel because generations to come, we exist and we continue on because of faithful believers that held on to the truth of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He was called to be an apostle, and again, uh, the least of these, but he referred to himself as a prisoner only of Jesus Christ. Paul gave us 14 of the New Testament epistles, some that were written for, that were written while he was sitting in a prison cell itself. He was the one that gave us the meaning of the new covenant. He was out of the picture and we learn according to the history in Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, that he was out of the picture for 14 years and the Lord began to give him the revelation of the new covenant or the revelation of what Jesus Christ actually accomplished and all that he did when he, uh, when he died upon the cross of Calvary. He gave us the revelation of the mystery of Jesus Christ that was waited, that was hid and waited to be unfolded until Jesus died on the cross. His writings were inspired, mostly inspired or, 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 or assuredly they were inspired by the Holy Spirit and at some time they were, the, uh, at some times in the text, for example, in Romans chapter number 7, I dare to say that the Apostle Paul's writings are the most relatable to the believer and what the believer is going through and experiencing in their walk with God. He was and he is still today a teacher to teachers. A preacher to preachers, a pastors to pastors, and an apostle by giving us the revelation of Jesus Christ. He was a man that he wrote this, that I am determined to preach Jesus Christ uh, to anyone that would hear. Didn't matter where he went, didn't matter the region that he was at. He preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you will see that writing throughout all of his epistles as he referred back to that foundation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I read a couple of weeks ago, but I, I want to read it again just real quickly, and I know that you know it, and I know that you've heard it, but we're talking about it, and I feel it needful to read again. The Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth here in his second letter, he said, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? And I speak as a fool because I am more. I'm in laborers more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths more often. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often. In dangers of water. In dangers of robbers. In dangers of my own countrymen. In dangers of the heathen. In dangers of the city. In dangers in the wilderness. In dangers of the sea. In dangers of false brethren. In weariness. In painfulness. In watchings often. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've fasted. I've been cold. I've been naked. But besides those things things that are without that which comes upon me daily the care of all of the church who is weak I am not weak. Who is offended? I am not offended. Who is burnt out? 
I am not a burnt out. He said, if I must need glory, I will glory in the things that I've suffered. I will glory in my infirmities. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ has blessed me forevermore. I know Him, and He knows that I lie not. And in all of these things, He stood up of everything He suffered. And He said, listen, church, I am determined. I will not preach anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified that your faith would stand in the power of an almighty God. He wrote things in the text that would only come from a truly transformed heart, a born-again experience that we know that he experienced on his road to Damascus. He wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for therein is the power of salvation to everyone that will believe. He wrote, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, we're not a conqueror, we are more than than a conqueror through him that loved us. Uh, he said, hold fast to sound doctrine. He said, stand fast in the liberty that has made you free. He said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Uh, to live is the will of God for my life, but to die is gain. And then he closed out his writings by this and said, I am ready to be offered. I'm ready to be offered up. For I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith uh, and the Lord himself uh, is ready to lay to give me a crown of righteousness. And not to me only, but to all of those that will believe. Uh, I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. And we could continue without a place to stop this morning. But in all of these things, he brought the church back to say, I'm determined to know nothing. I'm determined to know nothing. I'm determined to know nothing among you. I won't preach anything else. I won't proclaim anything else. I will not present to you law because that's not the gospel. I'm not going to present to you word of faith doctrine because that's not the gospel. I will not present to you legalism because that's not the gospel. I didn't come this morning with writings on religion because that's not the gospel. I'm not giving you 40 days of purpose because that's not the gospel. I'm not come to give you a 12-step program because that's not the gospel. We're not going to hand out self-help books because that's not the gospel. But what I did give you was if you'll place your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary, the power of the Holy Spirit will change your life. In all of his writings, we're a product and we see a product of the foundation given to him of Christ and him crucified. And the result of this revelation affected Paul and it left him with a determination. It left him with a determination. You may have to play with that a little bit. My voice is weak. A determination that said, I'm still determined. After everything that he suffered, I'm still determined. Through trial, I'm still determined. The things he suffered, still determined. The things when he was in prison, oh, I'm still determined. When he was in danger, but I'm still determined. He said, through it all, I am determined to give you nothing. Say, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I want to tell you this morning, believer, this message and this foundation 
will do the same for you if you will learn of it. If you will give us time to disciple you. I promise you this morning, it will give you a desire and a hunger for the Word of God like you've never had before. This message reveals and it begins as the Holy Spirit unfolds the message to you. You will be left with a burning desire for the things of God. For a true relationship with this man called Jesus Christ. Uh, and you can't help but to tell it. I think about Jesus sitting with a woman on the well. And he told her everything that she knew. Uh, and all she could do was run and say, come see a man. Come see a man. Uh, listen, that's an error of the church. Uh, there's a lot of believers today saying, come to my church. Uh, come hear this doctrine. Uh, come hear this man. Uh, come hear this place. Uh, but this woman said, come see a man. Uh, when will we quit pointing people to a singer or a preacher or a church or a denomination or a religion and start pointing them to Jesus Christ. You have to forgive me this morning. I'm going to recall just a little bit. I've tried to make some notes and they're kind of jogged down. But I look back this morning at my own experience, of course, being 15 years, it is, I look back, I found myself this morning uh, through this week, I found myself broken at the goodness of God because I want you to know this morning, I don't say this in a boastful way, but I'm just being real and transparent. I promise you if the enemy had his way about it, I wouldn't be here this morning. I wouldn't be here this morning. As a pastor, an elder pastor told me that every pastor will pay their dues and you will experience some of the highest highs and the lowest of lows. I've often wondered, do you really know how low that it has been sometimes? Because uh, sometimes you, yes, you are. You're ready to throw in the towel and you are ready to quit and you're ready to give up. And I've told you before, there have been moments when I wanted to load my horse and go to the hills and find a cattle ranch to work on that I didn't know anybody and they didn't know me and just spend my days out and my time there and my second passion and and what I love to do, just sitting on a horse. But I want you to know this morning, through it all, there is a road that me and Jesus only has traveled. And there's been some darkness in that road. And there's been some loneliness in that road. And there's been days when people use you as a doormat. And there are days of people, they don't care about the time that you infested in their family. And they are very vocal to let you know that. And days that they want you destroyed. But I want you to know of all of those days, there are days when the power of the Holy Spirit has lifted me back up uh, and those days have way uh, outnumbered the bad days uh, yes uh, it's been good living for God uh, yes uh, it's been good leading people to Jesus Christ uh, and yes uh, I understand when the Apostle Paul says how can I be burnt out uh, when I'm just pointing people to Jesus this week has brought things again in check for me and being in check is a good thing believer in 2006, this church took a chance on myself, Sister Becky. She said, you know that you voted me in as pastor. Well, you got her too. And you got a good one. She is, and I, I've heard people say, this is not a morning that we're just going to take time. She appreciate me and me appreciate her in front of everybody, Okay. But I've heard people say that, that the pastor's wife is, is often, it is the strongest support that a pastor can have. But she's behind the scenes and she's 
feels things and goes through things that nobody's looked. And most of the time, she's probably the most overlooked one in the entirety of the church. Probably the most overlooked one. She sees things and then, I guess, grin and bear it, ask the Lord to help us and go on. But I'm very grateful for her. In 2006, the, chan- the church, this church, took a chance on us as a pastor. You have dealt with my immaturity. You have put up with my inexperience. But I'm forever grateful. I remember walking, and I know I've said this before again. I told you I was going to be repetitive. But I remember walking from my house to my shop to detail a car. And the Lord breaking me and stopping me in my tracks. And I was right by my propane tank. I could take you to the place right now. And I'd be trespassing, but... Brother Jeff and Sister Megan, I don't think they would shoot me. Maybe not. But I remember the place that the Lord stopped me and spoke to my heart. And I don't say that lightly because I know a lot of people say, well, I've had conversations with God. God said this. I said this. God said this. And it's not never been that with me. God is a God and he speaks to your heart and it's that solid anchor word and, and he's done. Because that's, all you, that's what you needed at the time. But he stopped me and he said that it's time to follow me and not man. And that may not mean a lot to you, but for me, I was following man and I wasn't following God. And I needed that word. And I remember coming to Brother James and saying, you know what, I'm going to let the church to vote on us. My thoughts at first after being voted in was this is cool. Come on, I'm 26. This is cool. This is like the greatest thing ever. Still worked and kept on, had to. But the responsibility of pastoring a church began to weigh heavy on my shoulders as I spent time with the Lord. I found myself in the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, would write over and over again, Woe to the pastors that scattered my flock. Woe to the pastors. At one point, he even calls them dirty dogs because they were preaching false doctrine. And the words of Jeremiah begin to weigh heavy on my heart, and I thought, you know what? This is not just something that's cool. This is something that is of great responsibility. And these people's blood will be up on my hands, and I will give an account for what I preach and what I present to them. The thought, I'm responsible, and I've got to give an account. It made me pray, and it made me search through the text and through the scriptures. I promise you this. I know that she said it already, but I promise you this. I'm not a hireling. I won't be bought. I won't be bought. I, I, I don't mean it in an unkind way, but it's been attempted. It's been attempted. Pastor Brian knows. Here's a check. I want you to do this and this. Here's a check. I don't want so-and-so doing this and this. I'll break you of that in a hurry. I'll cash your check, and then I'll do what the Lord tells me to do. I don't know how deep your bank account is, but we'll find out. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. I've struggled with that. I've been in my office and saying, God, what do I do? And the Lord says, I brought you this far. Just keep following me and I'll keep, I'll keep on leading you. God's been faithful to do just that. And God's been faithful to lead me in the right direction. But I knew that in my spirit something was missing. Something was wrong. I searched the text and I loved God. But I also knew that through the week I was a wreck. 
I had things going on in my heart and I didn't know how to be changed. I didn't know how to be altered. I didn't know how to be sanctified. I knew that God was the answer for the drug addict, but I couldn't tell them how to be free. I was believing God for me just to lay my hands on them and all of a sudden that God would do something great and God is able to do that. But let me tell you something. God does not deliver you and change everything in your life just by a man laying their hands upon you. And I don't care what man it is. If we don't know how to walk in the Spirit Monday through Saturday when we're living in the world and we're faced with the the real trials and the real troubles, then listen, you are miserably saved. You are a wreck, and that's where I was at. I was doing what most believers do. I was getting saved, and I was resorting to works in order to be changed. My faith was not in Jesus in order to be changed. I placed my faith in Jesus to be saved, but after that, I said, I'll take it here. I've from here. I've sat down with people that told me, you need to read more. You need to pray more. You need to fast more. You need to fast it out. All of these things, and all of these things are good, but they are not the answer for victory. Do you understand that if your faith is in what you do, I don't care if it is prayer or fasting or reading, you are believing in your performance. While all of these things ought to build your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, If your faith is in your performance, you will not get the help of the Holy Spirit. The problem was, I was moving my faith from what I believed to what I do. And the result was, I was handcuffing the help of the Holy Spirit. Then I heard, I repeat it again, me and Pastor Brian we got, and he'll tell you one of the worst jobs he ever had. No offense, the twins are not here this morning. They're at graduation, so I can say this. But we were delivering the mail. Great job for some people, just not for people that didn't like to be cooped up in a truck. Pastor Brian said, I'd rather pick up rocks so that I'm active. And he's telling you the truth. But we delivered mail, and when we were delivering mail, we got within reach of the radio station, and we started every time at noon. I remember one time walking next door from the post office at Saffron. We picked up the mail there about lunchtime, and I walked over to get us a cheeseburger. The guy was taking a little while getting us a cheeseburger, and Pastor Brian comes running in there and said, Come on, we got to go. We got to leave. And what we were doing is we were trying to catch Brother Larson at 12 o'clock so we could listen to his program at 12 o'clock. And little by little, he started to lay out. I'm sorry if I'm boring you this morning, but I've got to gotta share what's on my heart. Little by little, he started laying out the message of grace and faith. See, I grew up and I always heard the word grace, but nobody ever defined grace as the divine influence of the Holy Spirit. That's beneficial to me. It's the divine influence. Oh, grace is unmerited favor. You are correct in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, look it up in the Strongs. It is the divine influence of the Holy Spirit and the reflection in one's heart. That's beneficial. Because you know what that tells me? Ephesians 2 tells me it's the effectual working of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want that. I don't know about you, but I was a mess and I was a wreck. And I needed a little help to work to live for God. 
And while we were on that mail route, we started getting the message of the cross. Little by little, it was given to us and started laying out that it's by faith that we're saved. It's by faith that we're changed. It's by faith that we walk. It's by faith that we live. And it's by faith that we're going to make it. And a man needs to examine his faith, whether your faith is in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you on the cross of Calvary, or your faith is in your performance. Because the problem is this. If your faith is in Jesus and what he did on the cross... You can have the flowing of grace, the help of the Holy Spirit. If your faith is in anything else, you do not have the help of the Holy Spirit. And here's the simple truth of it. You can't make it without the help of the Holy Spirit. And He can't help you if your faith is not in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary. The gospel began to open up. I realized that what Jesus has accomplished on the cross of Calvary was a finished and a complete work. He atoned for every sin, past, present, and future. And everything that I have need of, I access it by faith. By faith I am saved. By faith I am healed. By faith I am delivered. By faith I am changed. By faith I am transformed. By faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Listen, it's not about what you do. It's about what you believe. It's not about what you do. It's about what you believe. It's not about what you do. It's about what you believe. Oh, James said faith without works is dead. I know. It's not about what you do. It's about what you believe. And if you believe right, you will have a desire to do right you're not just going through the motions you're going through motions because you want to because this is what you want to do I can say today that with my whole heart I'm ready to stand before the Lord and to give an account for what I preach whether it's here whether it's Kenya whether it's Uganda I'm ready to give an account for what I preach to stand before God for delivering the message of Christ and Him crucified. And you know what? I can look out today in this congregation. I see people also that not just like myself, but I see others that is determined. I've had others who stand up here. I've heard as Brother Matt has given testimony how that the message of the cross has changed his life. I've heard Brother Junior stand up here and say the message of the cross is changing his life. Others that would get up here and stand and testify and tell you, and I'm always horrible when I start calling names because I'm going to miss out. Look, you're here because of the message of Christ and Him crucified. Because Faith Worship Center has made it pretty plain. We preach Christ and Him crucified. I won't accept anything else. There's not going to be something else that comes from behind this pulpit. I don't care what title they have. I don't care how popular they are. If they're not preaching Christ and Him crucified, I'm not interested and I desire to protect you from hearing anything else because if we get law it only strengthens the sin nature if you get law or works it will strengthen the sin nature I see people of determination I also see people that it's costed them greatly to hang on to the message of the cross there's people here that has had friendships severed because they came on to the message of the cross and people that said I'll have nothing else to do with you do you know, and don't take me wrong for what I'm saying, do you know here that there are here, there, there's people that have problems in their family because of somebody that latched on to the message of the cross. But those that don't know the message or have not latched on to it or have rejected, they hate the truth and they hate the anointing and they will reject anybody that holds on to it. There's people here this morning 
that has went through, don't take me wrong and don't throw stones, that has went through a divorce because they latched on to the message of the call. Well, that's not God. God's not into breaking a family. God didn't break that family. God didn't do that. But when you hold on to the truth and go and follow Jesus Christ, listen, not everybody follows. You know what? I see great determination. I've never encouraged, never, and anybody will tell you that, for a home to be broken or a marriage to be severed. But I always encourage the individual man or woman to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Your situation is too great for me to tell you what to do. It's between you and the Lord. i got to tell you, and i got to pray for you. I'm the guy in your corner that's just praying for you. God, let them hear the voice of the Holy Spirit like they've never heard before because they need you now to lead them, guide them, and direct them. Let them hear you so that they may follow you into all truth. Some of you, the message of the cross has saved your relationship with Jesus or gave you one, saved your marriage, saved your home, saved you from religion. The message of the cross has stopped you from giving up. And I know that today, that we as a congregation have a great determination in our heart, in our spirit, to carry on what the Lord has given us. As I went, when I first heard and became determined, I'm still determined today. And I want to tell you, Faith Worship Center, I know this has been different. There's still much work to be done. There's still many people to reach, many souls to be, uh, to be touched by the power of God. This might sound a little odd today, but I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Don't forget the reason that we exist as a church. Don't forget the reason that we exist as a church. Do you know that we're not here to just have a church service on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? That's not why we're here. We're not here to listen to pretty music. We're not here to just listen to preaching. That's not why you're here. If you came just to be in church, you came for the wrong reason. We're in a battle. We come to war. I'm in a war against the tactics of the enemy. I'm here to proclaim a truth that is greater than anything that hell has ever birthed. We exist to reach the lost. We exist to stand at the gate of hell and to tell people you don't got to go here. I'm here. I'm here this morning because there's still people that lives around us that are dying and going to a devil's hell. And they think, I'm just going to forget my notes for just a little bit. Do you know the majority of everybody? You can go to any church that you want to go. You can go to any type of church that you want to go to. You can find something that... This may be the wrong way to say it, but you can find something that fits your fancy, whatever you want to hear. You can hear a feel-good message. You can go here once you're saved, you're always saved, live however you want to live, if that's what you want to hear. You can go and hear that the only way that you're holy is the way that you dress, if that's what you want to hear. You can hear all kinds of things. You can hear if you're not a member of our church, then you're not, going, then you're, you're not saved. You can hear law. You can hear legalism. And do you know to the majority of the outside world, they're looking at the church and they're laughing at us? How do we know who's right? 
How do we know who's telling the interpreting the Bible right? To the majority of the church, we're just one of the ducks in a big puddle that is swimming along the rest of them. I want you to know, unless we let God change our life and the people that we're around see that reflection of the Holy Spirit, we will remain in their mind as just a common, everyday church. But come on, I'm come to tell you this morning, I'm not here just to have church. I'm here to give somebody a truth that will change your life this morning. And the message of the cross, the message of the cross is the only message that will do that. We're here in a battle for souls to be a voice that is crying that the answer that you seek is found in the cross of Calvary. There is people here this morning, well, how do you know? Because I'm one of you. That is struggling with something deep in their heart. That has tried to live around it. That has tried to just accept that it's normal. Just tried to cope with it or tried to hide it. But it's that strong tower, that stronghold that we want to live around. We don't really want to touch that because we've attempted it over and over and over again. And we've came with our tail tucked, whipped one more time. I don't care if it's an addiction. I don't care if it's lust. I don't care if it's depression. I don't care. But we have found ourselves walking out of the ring, whipped again over and over and over again. And I come to tell you this morning, we only wind up in a position of failure because we attempt it in our own power. When we attempt it, Through the power of self, we will lose every time. But I come to tell you, I challenge you to look that thing in the eye and say, I place my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. I've already proven that I can't, but Jesus proved 2,000 years ago that he can't. I place my faith in him and I'm asking for the help of the Holy Spirit. You may have to believe him for more than one hour. You may have to believe him for more than one day. But if you'll keep your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, I can honestly tell you this morning, you'll walk right back in the ring and you will get into a battle that you cannot lose with your faith in Jesus. Because when we can't, he can. We are that voice crying in the wilderness that the answer is found in the cross of Calvary. I want to take you back here. Give me just a few more minutes. Will you go to 1 Corinthians 1 and 17? I want to bring out just a couple of things. The Apostle Paul wrote here. He wrote, Christ sent me not to baptize. This is the Apostle Paul. Do you know what his heart was? To see people saved. You know there's people that preach that water baptism saves us. The Apostle Paul said, he didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words. I got to stop there. If you turn on your television and listen to most of the preachers today, that's what you're going to hear. Come up with so, I had to read Pastor Brian, Sister Cammie, a deal the other day that a preacher put out. And I mean, it was, I almost had to go get a dictionary to just try to, I said, this is what he said. Read it. And he said, wow, great use of adjectives, because that's all we heard. 
Adjective, 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 adjective. Instead of a simple truth, we're hearing a lot of wisdom of words. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. The word cross, of course, it means the, the wooden beam. It means where Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. When we preach the cross of Christ, we're not preaching a wooden beam. We're preaching what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. When I say Pearl Harbor, you don't think of an island. You think of the event that happened on that island. And when I say the cross of Christ, I'm preaching what Jesus accomplished. When Jesus said it is finished, he was including anything and everything that we would ever face in this life. The cross is an exposure to his death. That's what it means. It means self-denial. When we are exposed and truly exposed to the death of Jesus Christ, you are also exposed to self. You are exposed to the power of Christ, and you are exposed to the weakness of self. The more I learn about the cross, the more I learn about Steve. The more I learn about the cross, the more I learn about self. And I don't like what I see in self. He says of none effect, it means to falsify, neutralize. It means to be without the power of God. The only power source we have is the Holy Spirit. And if we falsify that, if we don't preach the cross of Christ, we make the gospel of no effect. Verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Now, I don't mean to be unkind in what I'm about to say. But I want to bring something out right here that, I, that we may have overlooked. I have talked to people. I have listened to people in their preaching that believes that preaching the cross is foolishness. Do you know who believes that the preaching of the cross is foolishness? Those that are perishing. Those that are perishing. They're blinded. And they're perishing. Your situation with sin doesn't get better because you ignore the cross. It gets worse. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Let me bring out a couple of things. The preaching is the motive. The cross here is to expose the revelation of his death. Exposing the weakness of self. When he said those who are saved, he's talking about those that are being delivered. Those that are being preserved, those that are being made whole. He says the power, he's talking about miracle working power, the force, the mighty work of God. And God, and it's from God and God alone, not of ourself. I've had texts, I've had, and it's been an honor to people to share their testimony. How that God is working in their life because of the message of the, of the cross, the message of Christ and Him crucified. As I look back before I heard the message, when the Apostle Paul said, I'm determined. The word determined, he said, I have condemned and I passed judgment. In church, that's what we have to do as believers. You've got to pass judgment. Is it true or is it not true? Is it true or is it not true? I called and questioned many things that I heard. But I never passed judgment when I first heard the message. Because I didn't know what was missing. And I didn't know what the message of the cross was opening up in my heart. 
Much of it sounded good. Much of it felt good. But to anything that is preached and proclaimed outside of the message of the cross, the power source is self. It's all about what we do. And then I heard the truth. And I was determined, and I'm still determined, that as far as faith worship center, that we're here to teach and to preach Christ and Him crucified. What Christ did was greater than anything that we'll ever face. And if we'll place our faith in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary, that the power of the Holy Spirit will continue to work in our hearts and in our lives. Give me about three minutes and I'm going to hush. I've sat down across the table and preachers has asked me, what is it? What is the message of the cross? I've sat in a yard, folding chair, asking an elder pastor one time if he had ever heard about the message of the cross. What is the message of the cross? Why do we keep referring to the message of the cross and not the gospel? Well, the gospel is the message of the cross. But I want to be plain. Sometimes it may sound like a broken record, but I mean to sound like a broken record because the revelation of Christ and Him crucified has been put away for so long. We have to remind the people and make sure that people understand what I'm teaching and what I'm preaching. Somebody said, you don't got to say the cross, Christ and Him crucified every time. I know I don't have to, but I want to because I want to make sure that people understand that we're preaching Christ and Him crucified what is the message of the cross? The message of the cross is this. It is the revelation of what the Apostle Paul unfolded and give to us as the foundation of the church. What is that foundation? That foundation, which is the message of the cross, is this. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he said, it is finished. And he looked up to heaven and he gave up the ghost. Three words that he, uh, that he uttered before he gave up the ghost would be the last words that he would ever speak. What was he talking about? He was talking about the, the, the demands of the law have now been satisfied. The price for sin has now been paid for all of mankind. The high priest has took his position and everything the sacrifice that God has been looking for for 4,000 years to satisfy the courtroom of heaven has now been offered up and Jesus said in me it is finished, it is done it is complete. The message of the cross the apostle Paul pointed us back to what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary. He said everything you need Jesus already paid for. Everything that you will ever, ever uh, have in your life, every problem, Jesus already paid for it. Listen, depression, drug addiction, alcohol, the lying tongue, the lust of the flesh, the murderer, the adulterer, the fornicator, the evildoer. I want you to know I could go on and on and on. All of these things fall under the title of sin. And as for sin, Jesus said, it is finished. 
There's only one thing that is greater than sin. I don't mean to be unkind, but I do mean to be plain. It's not your self-help. It's not a 12-step program. Boy, you're hard on 12-step programs. Yes, sir, I am hard on them because every program written by man will point you back to yourself for the power source. Uh, And in yourself, you're going to fail. But when you place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, the power of the Holy Ghost cannot fail. He can't fail. What is the message of the cross? Oh, I might go a little longer in two or three minutes because I'm enjoying this. What is the message of the cross? The message of the cross says this. And when the moment that you place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to take you and baptize you into Jesus. Well, what's he doing? He's burying the old man. He's breaking the power of sin. And he's getting ready to introduce to the world a brand new man that they ain't never met before. He will raise you up that you will walk in the new of life. What is the message of the cross? The message of the cross is this. If you place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, the power of the Holy Spirit will get all up up involved in your life. What's the message of the cross? It's the gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he will start to give you desires No, the Apostle Paul, listen, there are those today, I've sat with them, proclaim and hold hold to the law. Do you know if you hold the law, all you're doing is frustrating your sin nature? Well, you can't prove that. Well, the scripture says the strength of sin is the law. Well, how can that be? The law is holy and righteous. Yes, sir. It's so holy and righteous that it was meant to reveal to us that we're a sinner. And it did its job, Brother Matt. Because when you read the Ten Commandments, come on, I'm not going to reveal to you my, uh, my shortcomings this morning, but when you read the Ten Commandments, well, I've kept the Ten Commandments. Well, then good for you. Let's move on to the other 613 laws. And if there's one of them that you say, uh-oh, well, listen, <laughs> you better place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Because you're either accountable to law or you're accountable to grace. And law, okay, I'll preach to me. I've already broken. And the only way I'm seen as a law keeper is I place my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Why? Because I'm baptized into Jesus. What is the message of the cross? The message of the cross is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other truth out there. And I come to tell you this morning. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. I don't care how deep in sin you was. If you'll place your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary, the power of God is about to start moving upon your heart. And if you'll keep your faith there, he will not finish until he has performed that good work that he promised. The message of the cross is the truth. And I come to tell you this morning, church, I'm still determined. Oh, I'm still determined to preach Christ and Him crucified. To continue to build this church and to see what God has promised us on the truth of the foundation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Would you come to the gym?
Can you do that song, Mighty Cross? Can we do that? I'm going to ask you to stand. This is different. I just feel this in my spirit. Not normally how I would do an altar call, maybe on Sunday morning, but I just feel this this morning. The preaching of the cross, I don't mean to, in situations, try to bow out or try to ignore situations. I've sat and listened to people in different circumstances, and godly counsel always brings me back to the place that if you will place your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. There's been moments I wanted to run and the Holy Spirit said, hang on. Moments I wanted to quit and the Holy Spirit said, hang on. And moments when everybody around me, including family, would say, here's what you need to do. <laughs> they didn't have a clue, Brother Joe. Because what they thought I needed to do and what God knew what I needed to do was two different things. In every need and every situation, they are uniquely different. One person's divorce is not like another person's. The best advice I could tell them is if you'll place your faith in Jesus, God the Holy Spirit that walked me through it, oh, He's going to walk you through it too. If you keep your faith there, it'll make you pray. It'll make you listen. But in the end, though you may not enjoy the trial, in the end you'll say, what I've learned and what I've gained, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Because without a little fire, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Altar calls different this morning, guys, but I'm going to ask you to help me. The message of the cross is good for every need and every situation and every person. The message of Christ and Him crucified. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter what you're facing this morning. If you will again place your faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross, then you've got the greatest help that heaven could afford. You've got the help of the Holy Spirit. Here's my altar call this morning. I know it's different for Sunday morning, but I'm just trying to follow the Lord. If you're here this morning, maybe you've lost sight of faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross. Maybe that needs to be refreshed in your spirit. I don't know. Maybe you're facing a great need. And you're looking for an answer. Maybe it's a family issue. Y'all know I could go on and on. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Come to tell you, the way we're saved is the way we walk and the way that every need is met. I'm telling you your answer is in the cross of Calvary. If you'll place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, God the Holy Spirit will walk you through it. You see, church for a long time has been directed, redirected in a wrong direction, Sister Anita. Because for so long, we have emphasized that if you will just come to an altar and give it to God, 
Everything will be all right. And while that's correct, it's also lacking the truth of you can't just come to an altar and pray and go back and you think everything's all right because you come to an altar. My mission, my place is not to just get you to come. My place is to point you to a man that when you walk out of this place and the altar remains, that Jesus will go with you to lead you, guide you, and direct you. I'm trying to get you in a relationship, one-on-one relationship with the only one that knows how to help you this morning. So my altar call this morning as we point you to Christ is this. I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what you're facing. I don't know how tore up your family is. But what I do know is this. If you'll place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, then you are given the help of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I ask. I'm going to ask you to come. And I'm going to ask you to stand across the front of this building. And I want to tell you before you come, we're going to pray for you. We're going to ask God to touch your heart. But we're not here to meet your need. We're here to pray that God would redirect your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. And we're going to pray that your faith does not fail. Because I don't know how long you'll be in the fire. I don't know how long your trial will go on. But what I can promise you this morning is, if you'll keep your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, he's going to lead you every single step of the way. So if you're here this morning, say, I got a need. I want you to come and stand across the front of this building. And we're going to believe God to touch you and to meet that need this morning. Come on, you can spread out. Make a curb, do whatever you like. Hallelujah. Anybody else? All right, I need some believers to join behind your church family and in front. Guys, help me up front, please. Sister Becky, would you come up front and help me? Some of you want to come around front and help us. It would be great. I want you to look at me for one minute. I want to tell you something. I have stood and I have listened in a position that you're in right now where I had a great need. Our natural side of us is expecting the preacher or the pastor, whoever's in charge, to say something that's just going to 
knock us off our feet. Just wow us. I have listened as pastors, as preachers, as evangelists. I'm not judging them this morning, but I'm judging what they said. As they have made people great promises. I promise you this, or I promise you that. Promising things that they had no right or authority to ever promise. So I want you to hear me very plainly this morning before we pray for you. I have no doubt that you came out of great need. I don't know how extreme and I don't know exactly the, the, the times you sit bawling and crying and nobody knows what you're going through. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say very plainly. I want you to know this morning that I, Pastor Steve Alexander, I am promising you absolutely nothing except for one thing. If you keep your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, I'll promise you the same God that's been faithful to me, he'll be faithful to you. He'll walk you through the fire. He'll speak to you when you most need it. He will lead you, guide you, and direct you. I can't promise you it's going to be over today. I can't promise you the fire, the trial, the hill is not going to be hard to climb. But I can promise you, if you'll keep your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, that you've got the help of the Holy Spirit. And he'll help you today. He'll walk with you. And he'll be a guide that'll make it every step of the way. I'm just asking you, church family, our prayer is this. Everybody pray in this. We want to pray that God would strengthen their faith in Christ. And we want to pray that their faith will not fail as they believe God for their need this morning. Would you bow your head? Church family, will you lay your hands on them? Be led of the Spirit this morning and pray one for another. Come on, pray for somebody today. My God. the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.